And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Flashback Friday. I am your host, Mike Lutz. Uh, we don't have a theme this week, so we, but we do have three great shows from the uh, archives for you. We're going to kick it off with uh, the Tree Frog Exposé Cafe. Oh, happy day. This week, Reaper Rick returns with a taste of uh, a new possible threat to humankind, football, and why he loves technology, and why you should arrange your own funeral before you kick the bucket. And welcome back, everyone. I'm Reaper Rick, and this is News, Views, and Reviews. You may have heard that in February, Jason went dark so that some new equipment could be installed and the podcast made better somehow. That being the case, most of the episodes you actually hear in March were most likely recorded in February, which means for this show that uh, some of the news I uh, may report might be a bit dated, but uh, we just will have to deal with that, especially with this first story I've got here, because if uh, what I'm reading is correct, then you will be listening to this podcast in March. However, if the information is incorrect, well, there may be nothing to listen to. I'll report this in the past tense, since again, hopefully, this has occurred and no harm is done. Um, NASA reports an asteroid with the uh, ungainly name of 2012 DA-14 will pass by relatively close to the Earth on February 15th relatively close in this uh, instance means about 17,000 miles from Earth. Now, that may seem like a, quite a distance to everyone here on the planet, but astronomically speaking, 17,000 miles is nothing, really, because uh, if you consider that the Moon is between 235,000 and 250,000 miles from the Earth. That's because the orbit wobbles a little bit. Uh, 17,000 miles is still relatively close. And most of our communication satellites are only 20 to 22,000 miles above the Earth. So the asteroid is going to sweep in even lower than most of our satellites. 17,000 miles. Now, NASA guarantees, and I'm using quotes here, the asteroid will not hit the Earth, and a 
again, if you're listening to this in March, then it probably did not hit. Uh, it's only about half the size of a football field, however, so even if it did hit the earth, it would not be a life-ending catastrophe, but it would certainly end a lot of lives if it landed anywhere near a large city. But again, NASA says it's not going to hit us, so we can't assume that it will not. Alright, here's something interesting. Again, it may be a bit dated, but at the moment it's perfect. When was the last time you ever saw anybody using canned air? Well, some of you may remember the movie Spaceballs. And in that movie, Mel Brooks, who played the president of uh, Spaceballs Planet, would duck into his office periodically and open up a can of air and sniff it because the planet Spaceballs was running out of clean air. There was the, air, the atmosphere was so polluted that they had to import air from other areas and in fact they were trying to steal air from the planet Druidia in the movie. Okay, the reason I brought all this up is because at the moment toxic smog in China has <clears throat> covered Beijing for the entire month of January. Uh, 25 days in January, in the month of January, were classified as hazardous to the breathing air in Beijing and, and the surrounding environs. <clears throat> and it hasn't been that bad since 1954. Chinese millionaire took advantage of the situation and is now selling canned air to the Chinese at about 80 cents a can and people are buying it up because people are either wearing masks when they go outside sometimes even gas masks medical masks we're selling at a hundred thousand masks per day in Beijing um, and the Beijing hospital is treated some 9,000 children during the month of January for respiratory ailments, including asthma and bronchitis. So, that's just something to think about. We could, we, we might have China coming over here to steal our air sometime in the near future. And, good old Iran has plans to vastly increase its pace of uranium enrichment and this can be used for warheads and nuclear devices <clears throat> even though most of the world has has wanted to stop Iran from uh, continuing on their nuclear expansion program Iran, of course, uh, refuses to stop since they claim that uh, they're just using their, uh, the uranium for um, P-51 
peaceful purposes. And there was also recently a reported massive explosion uh, rocked one of Iran's nuclear facilities on January 21st, again reportedly destroying a huge part of the installation and possibly trapping up to 240 personnel deep underground. Iranian officials, of course, deny any problems with the facilities, and uh, they wouldn't lie to us after all. There's even uh, speculation that somehow a bomb may have been secreted into the establishment and then blown up to slow down the uh, uranium enrichment. But we have no uh, confirmation of any of that. And in North Korea, um, who are still, or at this at this time, they're still threatening to uh, explode another nuclear device underground because the Korean government says the people demand it. Well, apparently the people are demanding a little bit something a little bit different than a nuclear bomb. They are dying of starvation throughout the country. And <clears throat> after a corn and rice harvest failure last year, tens of thousands died and farmers reportedly resorted to cannibalism to feed themselves and their families. Several people, again reportedly, have been executed in North Korea for killing and eating family members. Another was executed for killing at least 11 people and then selling the meat as pork throughout his little community. So I would imagine that most of the North Korean people would uh, rather not have a nuclear explosion, but would rather have food, especially in the winter, but we can't really find out what's going on in North Korea. And here's just a little update on something I uh, talked about last episode. I, uh, I, sorry, if you remember I asked about spiders and whether they hibernate. Well, <clears throat> nobody helped me out on that one. I had to look it up myself. But, apparently, some spiders do, in fact, hibernate during the winter. They will find a, a snug little spot out of the way when it starts to get cold. And they will spin a cocoon around themselves to keep themselves warm. And then they just go to sleep for the winter. And when the air starts heating up again, they come out and they start their lives all over again. But some other spiders actually only live for the one season. And then they die off when it starts getting cold. But even they know better than to just die. They leave an egg sac, which is protected 
from the cold by the large amount of silken webbing that is that surrounds the eggs. And the eggs simply wait until it's warm and then they come out and they start eating and spreading themselves around and propagating and doing all the things that little spiders do. So, the answer to the question is yes, some spiders do actually hibernate and some don't. So, what are you going to do? I guess if you live in a climate where the cold is not life-threatening, spiders can live all year round. Lucky you. <laughs> and again, this uh, news is a little bit dated. But I watched the Super Bowl. Okay. I, I watch the Super Bowl every year. I've watched every single Super Bowl they've ever had because I've always liked football. Even as a kid, a little kid, I liked football. I used to collect football cards. I still have my original collection of football cards from the late 50s and early 60s. You know, I played uh, football in high school, and I always watched football. When I was uh, back in the days when I was working, I always asked for Sunday and Monday off so I could watch football on Sunday and then. Monday Night Football, when it was on, I would watch all the games. And I would watch all the Super Bowls. And then a few years ago, I somehow lost interest in football. Um, I would still watch the Super Bowl games, but I would watch them more with the commercials than the actual game itself. And for a long time, you know, the the rivalry was, you know, pretty much all East Coast or Midwest and East Coast, and I wasn't really interested in the, in the game, so I would just watch the commercials. Well, this year, what do you know, there was finally a California team in the Super Bowl, and as a uh, California kid, basically, I follow, I've always followed the California football teams. There used to be several of them, now there's only two, but even so, San Francisco, yeah, I, I rooted for San Francisco, and in just the first few minutes of the game, the Super Bowl, this last one, I realized why I probably stopped watching football. Anybody who saw the game realized that San Francisco just sucked the first half, you know, they had two turnovers that just killed them and by halftime it looked like you know the game was pretty much over well they came back San Francisco came back they came back really well after the power outage and uh, for a while there I thought they might actually catch up and, and even maybe in a miracle finale win the game. No, that didn't happen. That was unfortunate. But anyway, the commercials this year were 
not really as good as they as they have been in the past, but there were there were a few that that stuck out and I, I laughed out loud at. The Doritos commercials were, of course, funny as hell. Loved the goat for sale commercial. That was that was great. But the the one commercial that really got to me was the Budweiser horse commercial. You know, Budweiser always has the Clydesdales on there. And this year they did something totally different and it was really a touching commercial. I really liked it. Don't drink beer, but it was a great commercial. So, anyway, another football season is over with and uh, 49ers they gave it a good try at the end, but they just couldn't quite come back. Too bad. It's the way it goes. So, technology is really fucking awesome, isn't it? Just look at the things people can do with small handheld gadgets that are so thin. They have so much stuff in them. You can even talk to people when you're not near them. I just got my first cell phone a few years ago. I've always been kind of behind in the technology game. My first cell phone is just basically a Star Trek communicator, a little flip open kind of thing. You know, you can you can call the Enterprise from from here. You know, it takes pictures, but I can't get the pictures off the phone into my computer. And uh, it's a phone, you know. That's pretty much all it is. I can make, I can send text, but, you know, it's all in lowercase letters. Unless I go through and yeah, it's a pain in the ass to do it the other way. Doesn't matter. I needed a phone, it's a phone. That's pretty much all I use it for. You know, my first computer had floppy disks, you know. Some of you may remember those. You know, and then I, I, I upgraded to a uh, CD computer. No DVD, just CDs. Anyway, I mean, I think I'm in my fourth computer now. It's actually a laptop. It's what I'm recording this on. It's got a DVD player, CD player, you know, all the latest stuff from four or five years ago when I bought it. But, you know, whatever. I've got a TV that I can use remote on. You know, when I was little, you had to get up to turn the TV on and off and change the channels and turn the volume up and down. Had little rabbit ears sticking out of the top of it. And inside the TV were hundreds of little vacuum tubes plus the big picture thing. What do you call it? Fuck, uh, like a cathode ray kind of deal. Television screen. The thing was weighed about 50 pounds. Anyway, I remember when Pong first came two little slider things and you knock the ball back 
forth on the TV screen. That was like fucking amazing to me. That, you know, had an, had an Atari game system with all the little cartridges. And uh, I upgraded myself to a Nintendo Entertainment System about 10 years ago. And I still have that, and that's that's all. That's as far up as I went. Never, never did get a PlayStation or Xbox or any other shit. All I've got is the. I don't even know if it's. I guess it's 16-bit or 32-bit. I don't know. Whatever those games were. Still works though. I still play with the fucker every once in a while. But uh, things have changed a lot. Last 50 years, made major advances in technology. Wonder where we'll be in another 50 years. You know, I won't be here, but uh, some of you might be. And uh, what we have to look forward to, or what you have to look forward to, I suppose, is no doubt. Pretty amazing. A couple of years ago, I bought myself a refurbished VCR and DVD combination machine because I still have a lot of uh, video tapes. Some of you might even remember those, but yeah, I still have a lot of tapes, you know, and I'm trying to replace as many of the tapes as I can with DVDs, but uh, don't have a Blu-ray or anything like that. I'm still just working on DVDs. But the uh, problem with technology is that uh, only the people with money can afford it. Now, I'm sure most of you don't remember this, but when VHS tapes first came out, I think that was back in the 80s, maybe. Movies cost $79, 80 bucks, for one fucking movie tape. Who could afford that shit except people who bought some money? Now, of course, you can get VHS tapes for 99 cents, if that much. And moving from DVDs to Blu-ray, whatever the hell else it was. I remember watching Laser Discs. Yeah, had movies on Laser Disc. They don't do that anymore either. But point is that uh, technology is fine, but you got the money for it. The new BlackBerry coming out. That's supposed to be like five or six hundred bucks for what? Portable computer and a phone that doesn't work half the time? I don't know. I still prefer books that you can hold in your hand and turn the pages with you read. I just uh, don't. I haven't got it off on these ebooks and. PDFs and everything. It's just a pain in the ass. You know, I want to get up and carry my book to the toilet or in the car, go to the 
doctor's office and wait for 40 minutes to see the damn doctor. You got to do something. So I read a book. Can't carry my computer around everywhere. But I suppose if I had the money, I could get myself a expensive iPhone and you know go online and do all that other shit right from my phone. Can't imagine how much all that shit costs. Don't even want to know. I used to be able to work on cars you know, when I was younger and had my own cars. I could actually open up the hood and see the fucking engine. Reach down in there and get to everything without having to take it to a goddamn computer mart, jack it up on a, on a big trestle so people can get in there and find out where the little pieces go. It's just ridiculous. Fucking computers running cars now. I don't know. The more shit you have that's electronic in a car, the more shit that's going to break down on you. Of course, people who buy those kind of cars swap out their cars every two or three years anyway, so they don't keep them long enough to actually have to fix the damn things. But again, that means you got money. And uh, if you got the money to uh, spend on something that trivial, and I guess that's what you do with it. The money, that is, that's what you do with it. You spend it on shit that isn't really important. Fucking watches, they run for, go for $30,000. So what? Does it fucking tell time? You know? Yeah. I haven't even worn a watch in about 25 years. Got a nice watch, too. Just don't wear it anymore because I don't fucking care what time it is for the most part. And when I was working in hospitals for all those years, well, there's clocks everywhere. Now, of course, you know, you got a clock in your phone, so you don't really need a watch anymore except just to show off. And everybody has to have a big old flat screen TV. Can't even go in the store. Well, you haven't been able to find a box TV for a couple of years, I suppose. I bought a uh, 32 inch flat screen shortly before I moved and uh, had it in the car with me driving up to Idaho. And then, of course, I rolled the car. Uh, so ever since then, the TV has worked, you know, gets power to it, but I guess there's some little gadget in there that causes it not to work if it's jarred around a lot, and I think rolling four or five times might have jarred it just a little bit, and I've never even had the money to go down, take it down and see if I could have it fixed, so we're watching a little tiny 19-inch box TV that we borrowed from my stepdaughter. That's what we've watched in the past two and a half years. Tiny little screen. The 32 inches, you know, that's pretty small nowadays, but it was it was cool because everything was like life-size. People's heads were fucking huge. But, hey, you know, shit happens and 
happens to anybody. It seems to happen to us. We were, uh, wife wanted to make popcorn the other day for the Super Bowl, you know. And ordinarily, we just buy popcorn kernels in a big bag and dump it into a large boiler pot with oil on the stove and pop up her own. But then, you know, she likes to melt butter and, you know, pour melted butter all over the popcorn, which, you know, makes it much more tasty. But it's a little bit, uh, it's a pain in the ass. So anyway, she decided to buy some microwave popcorn. And, and just do it quick and easy. I wanted guacamole and chips, but, you know, she wanted popcorn. So we had popcorn. And, you know, she puts the, the bag in the, in the microwave and turns it on. And, and she's never made microwave popcorn before. So she followed the directions, which, you know, on the package, which are, of course, wrong. She put it in there for four minutes and... It takes four minutes just for the shit to start popping. So, of course, it wasn't done popping in four minutes. So I put it in for another two minutes. And it pops some more. And we take the bag out. You know how you're supposed to have this big old puffy fucking round bag for the popcorn and everything. Well, ours didn't look like that at all. It was kind of flat on one side. We opened it up. And half the kernels weren't even popped. So we ate it, and it tasted, you know, fine, the stuff that was popped. So she put in another bag, and I uh, set it for six minutes. And it's popping away and popping away, and then it stops popping. And, and it's only been like, you know, four and a half minutes or something, and we open up the bag, and we open up the microwave, and the fucking bag is almost flat, and it had a hole in it. So all the piece of butter and everything leaked out all over the microwave. And of course, that kept the corn from popping the way it was supposed to. And uh, so that was our uh, Super Bowl treat. You know, half-popped popcorn. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Several weeks ago, because it's been so cold up here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, some of our pipes froze, but it was just the pipes that went to the toilet and the washing machine. So, you know, we couldn't use the fucking toilet unless we poured, you know, five gallons of water into the bowl and let it, anyway. So they called a plumber out and he got under the house and he's, you know, with a torch and everything, heating up the pipes until they start working again. You know, great. It only took about eight hours for him to get through. And, uh, the next night, the washer pipes froze again. <clears throat> so that was then. So this morning I get up and there's no hot water. And I open up the back door to look outside, which has been, up until just a day or so ago, has been covered in snow. And there's a fucking water leak squirting out from under the house. And there's icicles all hanging down off the shit because it was, you know, below freezing last night. So I call up the manager and he sends some guy out to just look at it. And, you know, he turned off the water to the house to see if that would stop the leak. And it didn't stop the leak. So he says, well, I can't do anything about this. A plumber we buy later. And he takes off, but he never turned the fucking water back on. 
So here we are with no toilet, no water, nothing for, you know, three or four hours before the plumber finally shows up. And he turned off the proper valve to stop the leak, but he never fixed it. Then he went around to the water heater to find out why we didn't have any hot water. We still have water coming out of the hot water tap. It just wasn't hot. So he fucked with the goddamn water heater for about an hour and then finally went into the and apparently all of the wires and everything were were working properly. He thought he was gonna have to replace the thermostat. But he went into the house and checked on the uh, fuses, you know, the circuit breakers and shit, and discovered that the circuit breaker had blown out for the water heater. So he says, oh shit, well you're going to need an electrician for that, I can't fix that. So he takes off. Still don't have the leak fixed, still don't have any hot water, and the electrician's supposed to be by first thing in the morning, which... You know, it could be any, any time between 7 and 10, depending on what plumbers think first thing in the morning is. So, it's just been, you know, one of those weeks for us. Again, it's like uh, Murphy's Law all over. Some kind of shit is going to happen, it's going to happen to us. That's the way it's been for a long time. And tonight I thought I would review death. Death is something everyone is familiar with. Everyone knows that eventually, or maybe even sooner, that we will die. And once we're dead, uh, our funeral arrangements are usually prepared by grieving relatives. Sometimes they grieve a little too much and sometimes they don't grieve enough. But regardless, for the most part, people tend to put off death preparations and leave it up to whoever's left when they die. Partly because, I suppose, people don't like to admit that they will eventually pass on. And it's just sort of a morbid, macabre sort of ritual to go through before you're dead. But I guarantee you that it's cheaper to get things done beforehand. Not only do you get discounts, but you can pay it off at time. Whereas when you die, you know, you gotta pay for everything right then. And funerals with, you know, caskets and everything can easily cost six to ten thousand dollars just for a simple ceremony. And when I first moved up to the California high desert, my first job up there was a uh, four-need counselor at a local cemetery. Well, actually, it was a memorial park. 
cemetery still allows headstones. Memorial parks do not. Everything is just a flat, engraved plate they put into the ground. Basically, so it's cheaper for them to uh, take care of the plots. They just run the lawnmower over everything and, you know, it's all done. Cemeteries, on the other hand, you know, can't use uh, the riding mowers. They have to have somebody go around with the weed eaters and trim all the crap around the headstones, if they even do that. A lot of times they don't. Anyway. So, okay, right. So I was a before, before need counselor at this uh, memorial park. And they train their people to prey on family grief. And they train you to always go for the highest price whatever because they know that if a family is grieving and they're sad and they're unhappy they want to do something really special for this funeral of their loved one and they're willing to spend thousands more dollars than they need to because they feel guilty or something but people do they buy hideously expensive caskets so that they're just going to be fucking put in the ground and covered up in dirt. You know, and they spend lots of money on the funeral preparations and everything. And they want to send their loved ones off in style as if their loved ones gave a shit. Funerals are just for the people that are left alive anyway. The, the dead person doesn't care. They're gone. And they're hopefully in a better place and hopefully happier than they were when they were alive, so they don't give a shit. All that other crap is just for the living. Anyway, I didn't stay at that job very long because I thought it was a rip-off. You know, you're trying to sell people the most expensive mausoleums above ground burial is more expensive but it looks cool you know you can see where the casket is placed inside the uh, tomb area anyway I didn't stay there very long because it was just you know you're ripping people off totally but when I was many 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 years ago I was in college and trying to decide where my uh, life was going to go, what profession basically I wanted to follow. I realized that everyone got sick eventually, frequently, over and over again. Everyone got sick and everyone eventually died. So regardless of how the economy was going, regardless of anything that was going on in the world, whether we're in a war or whatever, you know, everyone is happy in paradise. Everyone gets sick, goes to the hospital, goes to the doctor, and everyone dies. 
So I figured, well, it's got to be one of those two things, you know, either the medical field or mortuary sciences. Well, it just so happened that I was attending Cypress College anyway. Cypress College has one of only two mortuary science courses in the state of California. The other one's up near San Francisco someplace. So I figured, well, you know, as long as I'm already attending school, you know, I can switch my major to mortuary sciences and get my degree without having to, you know, move out of town or go anywhere. You know, it's all nice and cozy. Also, by coincidence, at the time, my mother and my wife, and my first wife, both work for a large mortuary memorial park chain in California there. <clears throat> so I was, excuse me, I was able to coerce my mother to get me to spend the night in the mortuary so I could uh, hang out with the embalmers and everything and, you know, get some information on the job and see if that was something I really wanted to, to follow up on. So I spent one whole night in the mortuary with uh, a couple of embalmers and a dozen or so bodies. And it was an eye-opening experience, to say the least. Uh, I, I am pretty sure that if lay people had any inkling of what their loved ones have to go through after they die, there would be far fewer burials, far more cremations, I spent the night there and watched the guys prepare several bodies and heard lots of really weird stories about uh, embalmers and <clears throat> necrophilia and all sorts of other bizarre things. But what really bothered me the most was the way the bodies were treated. There was just there was no sense of respect at all. I mean, yes, it's just a body, it's an empty husk, but still, you would think that, you know, this was supposedly someone's loved one, a mother, a father, a brother, a husband, wife, whatever. And I just felt that they deserved a little more respect than, uh, than they were getting. It's just a, it's a, a, well, it's a fucking disgusting display that goes on, what they have to do to the bodies. I mean, first of all, you have the uh, uh, dissection, and uh, that's bad enough, you know, when they cut the body open and use big garden shears to cut the ribs off and take the rib cage out and take out all the organs and weigh them and slice them up and examine them and um, and then they just kind of whatever they, they don't need to keep they just dump back in the body and put the rib cage back and sew them up 
but that's just the beginning. <clears throat> Once they get into the mortuary, well, then the guys really start working on the bodies. And uh, it's just not a pleasant sight at all. And even though I, uh, again, I realize it's just, it's a dead body, but it's a dead human body. And anyway, after one night at the mortuary, I decided that mortuary sciences was not something I wanted to uh, follow. Of course, all of this happened before my, my grandmother died. And I decided to go into the medical field. And that story was in the last sheer darkness. So if you want to check that out, you can get a little more information on why I decided to go into the medical field rather than anything else. And, you know, the medical field was, was a, a good choice. Um, although I, I certainly saw my share of weird shit working in ER and ICU back in those days. <clears throat> but uh, it was, you know, it was a, it was a well-paying profession. It was well-respected. Um, doctors, you know, back in the early days, doctors would come to us, respiratory therapists, ask us what to do about their patient on the ventilator because at that time doctors didn't really know <clears throat> very much about that, that, that aspect of it. Pulmonary doctors did of course but there weren't that many pulmonary doctors back then either so you know, we could adjust the machine to change the patient's uh, blood gases and pH levels and all kinds of other shit. But anyway, that uh, that's where I went. Went into the medical field, and, uh, and I think it was a good choice overall. But uh, getting back to death part of it, you you really need <coughs> to excuse me do some before need or pre need shopping around. You know, if you do it on your own. Before you die, you can get things set up from start to finish so your loved ones don't have to do anything except just show up and uh, seriously consider cremation because, yeah, you just don't, you don't want your loved one to be chopped up, poked, stabbed, sewn together, plugged up. It's just really, really, really a sad situation. If they would just, you know, take the bodies out, wrap them in a sheet, and lower them into a grave, cover them up with dirt, then, you know, that would be acceptable. But what they, what they put bodies through is just horrendous, 
despicable and disgusting. Of course, that's just my opinion, but I've been there and I've seen it, so... Anyway, I guess we're running short on time, so I will say adieu to you until next time. Just be careful out there. It's a dangerous fucking world. Good night, all. Now we have Who's the Boss? Number 19, Creepin' the Boss. This week, director, producer, and CEO of Creeperson Entertainment, Creep Creeperson, talks about how he got into got into film and music in the music business and the owner of his own production company. here on the site once again doing a little show for you here and um if you were listening to that amazing trailer with some amazing tunes in it you probably also heard the sound of an iphone message come in that was informing me that there are new mcfarland toys that i should be looking at right now Um, And that's kind of how we do it over here, Uh, meaning I'm here to talk to you about running Creepers and Films and all this other jazz and uh, the fact that um, while I'm doing a show, my phone makes a big bleep because of something stupid. Um, is quite fitting for uh, what we're going to be talking about right now. So, um, go ahead and uh, sit down or get comfy. Get comfy. Um, I, I'm going to get a cup of coffee here in a second. Hopefully, you have your coffee. And if you have anything that you like to smoke, you could get it now. And um, we could kind of sit back and pretend that we're either by a campfire in the middle of the night with the the gentle breeze blowing on us and the flames flickering and the wood cracking and us hearing howls and footsteps in the distance through the rustling of dead leaves and snapping of twigs. Or maybe we could be in a grand study with a great big fireplace and super nice leather chairs 
sipping on maybe some cognac or some brandy or something like that while we puff large cigars and our fancy smoking jackets. Or we could just be sitting in my dining room um, trying to find a place to put your cup of coffee um, on the dining room table that's full of hard drives, laptops, empty packs of cigarettes, James Bond books, and movie soundtrack CDs, and headphones that no longer work, and boxes that haven't been unpacked yet, even though I've lived here for six months. So, um, any of these things are doable when we're delving into the world of film production and um, all sorts of fun balderdash and fun stuff like that that we will be chatting about. So, welcome to Creeperson Films. Alright, so I guess what we're going to do, if you know anything about me at all or have heard my show or read interviews or heard interviews or whatever, a lot of um, this stuff here might be stuff you've heard before, but um, hopefully not. Um, Basically, I really don't know how I ended up... um, being a filmmaker or actually running a production company like it all kind of happened by accident and um the basic gist of it is is that um I have always loved movies and I've loved um like I would get all the horror magazines I could get my hands on whether it be like famous monsters or Fangoria um or anything like that. And even like old, like Scarlet streets and, um, cult movies and stuff like that. Um, and I always wanted to do stuff in film, but I, I don't know how it happened, but it's like, it just kind of got beat into me, I guess, as I was, um, growing up and in high school, um, that it was something that only, like, like rich people got to do, or, um, just like, I don't know, it was just like, I never thought, like, I could make a movie, and, like, I had made, like, little goofy shorts, you know, with my friends, and, like, uh, video cameras and stuff like that, and there's a huge plane flying over my house right now, hey, J.J. Abrams, don't crash on me, God, I don't know if you guys could hear that, but I feel like I have to yell right now. Um, when in Burbank, because that's where that plane came from, the Burbank airport. Anyway. So, um, I would make these little shorts with my friends, like with like Star Wars figures or He-Man or Hot Wheels or something like that. And we would just like fuck around and, um, do stuff like that and it was cool you know and uh, I just I never I never thought that it was something that I could actually do and um, then I met a guy who was going to film school and this was like my first uh, little run in with something it was I was in this band um, 
called Spade 13 at the time. And um, my guitar player went to, he worked with this chick whose son was going to film school at UCLA. And um, it was like he, he needed to do some work for school. So he wanted to know if he could make a music video for us. And so I'm like, duh, let's do it, you know? And um, I met with him a couple times and we went over ideas and he kind of told me like, you know, oh, just write it out, you know? Uh, And I'm like, well, how do you write it out? He's like, oh, just, you know, script format. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? So um, I I went and I got... um, I wish I knew where this was. I haven't seen it in years, but I went and got, uh, and went to Barnes and Noble and I picked up the, uh, Pulp Fiction script, um, from the film section at Barnes and Noble. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of like a book, but you don't have to say as much stuff. And, huh, okay, well, yeah, I could probably throw something together like this and, um, I remember the the video we were going to do was for this song called Forbidden Love at the All Night Bolarama. And um, the budget for what I wanted was, like, way too big. It was actually a really fucking cool video. But um, there was this place in Long Beach, this bowling alley bar place called the Lava Lounge that was just fucking sick. And I wanted to shoot there, and they wanted, like, $15,000. And I'm like fuck that and um we ended up just doing this little video um behind the place where they worked uh where all the big rig trucks were like the trailers were just sitting there so so i watched what happened and i'm like that's just like what i used to do when i was a kid like there wasn't anything fancy about it you know there wasn't i mean there were lights and there were bounce boards and little tiny things like that. But for the most part, it was like, just like making movies with my friends. So that really put it in my head that it's something that I could do, but I still, it, it still seemed like really far away. And so I would write a couple scripts, but I'm living in orange County. I don't know anyone in the film business other than this kid. And then I lost contact with that dude. And I just had no idea what to do. Okay, so fast forward a couple years, I've written like maybe three or four short scripts, and I'm teaching at this bartending school, and I I would meet actors all the time who um, lived in Orange County, but commuted to LA for auditions and stuff like that, and I just kind of picked their brain a little bit, and then one day... I met this dude who claimed to be a big producer or something like that. And um, long story short, I was telling him that I wrote this script called Bloodlust Romance. And um, he told me he was a producer and he took the script and we had a bunch of meetings and his wife, you know, worked on the Matrix and all this other shit And, um, it ended up that he was a nobody and he was full of shit, which is fine. And it's, I don't want to say a nobody and he was full of shit because like he was no better off than I was, you know, he was trying to break into the industry and 
a lot of what this industry is is a bunch of people bullshitting people and lying about shit. But it's just if anyone ever fact checks you, you're fucked. So um, you got to either be able to back your shit up or not lie so drastically. So anyway, so then I meet this other girl who tells me she's this big actor's um, personal assistant. And it was an actor that I actually wanted in my movie in the first place. And um, all this other shit. And she's like, oh, no, I talk to him all the time. I can just take him the script, you know, if, if, especially if there's a part in it for me. And I'm like, done, you know, like whatever you want. And, um, in fact, all of this shit is in the, um, the preface to Bloodlust Romance or the note from the author or whatever, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, but if you haven't read it, I'll just keep going. Um, so this chick, it turns out, um... Like, just through bugging and meeting people and all this other shit, I ended up meeting this guy, like, a couple weeks later. And we're talking, and I'm like, yeah, you know, so-and-so told me she was going to give you the script to see what you thought about it, and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, who? And he didn't know who the fuck I was talking about. And I'm like, what the fuck? And she's very specific-looking. Like, like you could definitely describe her, and if someone knows her, they'll know exactly who you're talking about. And he's basically like, oh, shit, that's this stalker I had and blah, 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 blah. And so I'm like, ah, okay, great. Um, But he actually was interested in it after I talked to him about it and he read it and we chatted a little bit about it. So anyway, um, it ended up working out okay. But the whole thing was, and I bring this up a lot, um, but I saw this movie called Funny Games um, that's, I can't remember if it was... German might have been a German movie and um, they remade it here with the same director but with like Naomi Watts and um, Tim Roth and uh, a couple other dudes anyway there is a part in the movie that really got an emotional response out of me I got super pissed off And I was just like, no fucking way. And, like, the only way I could describe it is, like, I just got, like, mentally raped by that movie. And I didn't like it. I'm like, I don't like the way that feels. But then, like, the more I was thinking about it, I'm like, dude, that was a total emotional response from a film, you know? Like, if I could ever do that, that would be epic, you know? So... I uh, thought a little bit about it and um, tried to figure out how to go about doing all of this stuff. So all this stuff is happening. Now, at the same time, uh, the Creeperson band, the horror punk band that I have, started taking off. And our first album came out, and it was doing relatively well for a little local band that didn't really do anything. And um, we got a lot of um, buzz on MySpace, back when MySpace was cool and shit like that. And then um, these filmmakers in Europe uh, asked if they could put a couple of our songs in this horror movie that they made. And it was just like so surreal and stuff and so 
the band was doing really good. I kind of gave up on making movies for a little bit. And then I finally came across this guy who had a bunch of money and wanted to make my Bloodless Romance movie. And um, he was really interested in the uh, trilogy aspect of it. Um, because originally, well, it still is, but it's a trilogy. And um, I've adapted the first two screenplays to books but not the third. I'm kind of waiting on that for some ungodly or unknown reason. But anyway, so he, we were talking and we had meetings and all this stuff. And, um, and I don't even know how it came up, but there are a bunch of really cool houses um, up in Oregon that really matched what we were looking for for Bloodlust Romance. And I'm sure there were some, like, in Bakersfield or in Riverside, like, which is, like, an hour away, you know? But for some reason, like, we all thought that Oregon was definitely the place to shoot these movies. And so we went up there, took a look at everything, found our locations, were super excited came back down, made all the arrangements, and um, I pretty much decided, you know, if I moved my family, you know, up to Oregon for like a year and a half, um, I could probably shoot all three movies at once for the cost that it would cost to shoot down in Southern California, so this might actually work. So we move up there, I go to the bank to cash the check, from our executive producer and the check bounces. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I call him up and he's not answering my calls. I call his lawyer. His lawyer's giving me the runaround. And then finally I get a call from him like a few days later. And he's like, look, um, some legal shit came up and I'm going to need that money for my defense. So I can't do the movie now. And right then, that's when I realized maybe I should do better contracts, okay? Now, doing better contracts is number one, like what you guys all need to know. And I guess I'm talking to you right now with the idea that you maybe want to produce films or something like that. So, if that's... And if you don't want to produce films and you just like hearing people jaw flap and stuff, then this should be okay, too. But, um... Contracts are constantly, um... What everyone kind of needs to hang their hat on. Um, there are plenty of stories I could tell you about how contracts... Um, saved my ass, how contracts uh, kind of fucked me in doing something I didn't really want to do, and also how contracts being as scary as they are to other people, I have been threatened by bigger production companies, you know, to bow out of a contract or to void a contract, um, or else they'll ruin me in Hollywood. And you'll get a lot of jackasses telling you that, but most people can't make any of that stuff work. But, um, 
So basically, I was stuck in Oregon, and I needed to figure out how to get home. And we had a record label, and the record label um, got distribution through a larger distribution company. And they acquired a film division and then asked me if I would be interested in making a movie since I shot a video and we're all horror-themed and all this other stuff as a way to start crossing over the product. I make my Frankenstein movie, and then I didn't like the deal they were offering me, and the whole deal fell apart. But I had made a movie. And it was one of those things where... It happened so fast. We shot it in two and a half days up in Oregon. It's my Frankenstein film. It happened so fast that I didn't even realize, like, the accomplishment. Like, dude, you just made a movie. Congratulations, you know? It wasn't... It took me a little bit. So, with that, I ended up moving back down to Orange County with my family. So, anyway. um, So, long story short... um, the first year I was a filmmaker, I made like four short films and a music video. The next year I made my first feature and, um, probably another three short films, a music video and a web show. The next year I made three features The year after that, I made nine features, and it just kind of kept snowballing, almost out of control, and it's not because I didn't want to do it or anything like that. I just didn't know how to not do something, so when I made the Frankenstein movie, like, I didn't really have any money. Like, there was really no money to to be made in it. It was just me being able to find the right people who had the stuff that I needed, who wanted to do a movie, who liked the idea. And that's really how that got made. And then pretty much everything after that, like the shorts and the videos and the web show was the exact same thing. And, uh, It wasn't until um, my second feature, which was OC Babes, where I actually had somebody come to me with financing asking me to make them a product. And it happened out of the blue, kind of by accident, but it happened. And I did it, and it, it was cool. Now... The one thing that I see as a problem with a lot of um, filmmakers... Now, this is me talking to filmmakers, not so much uh, people who want to be producers or run a production company. But one of the biggest problems I see people have who are filmmakers or wanting to make a movie is that they have this one script. And this one script is gold and this one script can't be changed and their vision can't be compromised and yada 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 and the problem with that is because film is such a collaborative effort with so many different inner workings and different people and different locations and weather and there's so many things that could go wrong that always will go wrong if you can't 
separate yourself from your script, like in in a sense that okay, this scene it says daytime, but we have to shoot right now. It's nine o'clock at night. It's an outside shot and it's raining. Like, how the hell do I fucking make this work? You have to just make it work. Or you have to go, okay, we're not shooting today. I need to raise another $5,000 to come back and shoot this. And you have to decide what is the thing that is going to make the most sense right then. Is it going to make more sense to stop shooting, put everything on hold, raise more money, or take money from other days that you were going to shoot to fix this one thing? Or is it going to be better for you to change a little small aspect of your script in order to fit what you need to fit into that day? Because honestly, I know a lot of people who have spent like three to seven years even making their one movie. And at the end of the day, it still doesn't look right because people's hair change, people gain weight, people lose weight, girls get haircuts, girls get boob jobs, um, houses change, fires happen, grass grows, um, seasons make leaves fall, animals die, you know, like there are so many things that make a movie's continuity just as fucked up than if you were to just go, oh shit, it's raining outside. There, I just added a line of dialogue and I saved this scene and we could shoot now. You know, just like little stupid things like that. But there's a lot of filmmakers who will not change anything in their script because they're a fucking artist. And when you are the head of a company or something like that, a production company or whatnot... As the producer, you have to make decisions like what's more important, me getting this movie done on time or my artistic vision. And the thing that sucks a lot of the time is a lot of the time the producer has to take over. And if you're a producer director, you become schizophrenic like me and you argue with yourself and try to figure out the best way to get through a shot or something like that. And it's all a big pain in the ass, but at the end of the day, you end up with a beautiful thing. Like right now, I'm not going to tell you the name of the movie, but I'm editing a movie for another director who made decisions that probably weren't the best in the world. And we've been trying to fix this movie in post for a really long time. And I think we have found a way to do it now, but it's just like... It should never have to get like that, you know? Like, when, oh man, it's just like, and here's something else. If you're getting money from somebody to make a movie, the whole time, like, even though you're an artist, okay, you're also a problem solver, you're also a task manager, you're also a babysitter for all of these fucking people. But if you're shooting on other people's money, you have to put their money in the forefront of your mind, you know, it just out of courtesy, you know, like these people entrusted me with their money to give them a product. I said it would be done by this day. You make sure it's done by that day. You know, like you took a shit ton of money, even if it's not a lot of money, it's a lot of money to somebody. And if you had to ask for it, it's a lot of money to you. Okay. 
So whether it's $1,000, $50,000, or $100,000, you asked for that money. So out of just common decency, like you need to put the needs of those people first, you know? It's their money. They're allowing you the chance to do something you love, you know, cut them some fucking slack and quit being such a bitch about your goddamn script, you know? So that's kind of like a philosophy I have. And I think honestly, that's why I've been able to make so many movies. I mean, I've made like, this is really sad, but I don't actually know the number, but it's uh, probably around 50 um, features and probably a little less, but I've done a lot of web shows and videos and short films. So maybe it's actually more. I don't know. I should have counted that before I started talking about it. But basically what I'm saying is I don't know anyone who does what I do. I've never met anyone who has the output that I have who can do the things that I do. And I'm not saying that to toot my own horn. I'm just saying, cause like, honestly, like for me doing as much as I've done, I should be much farther along in my career to be honest. But you know, I'm getting there. Things are happening. Things are cool. But, um, it's just, it's one of these things where I wouldn't be, doing what I'm doing if I was super fucking hard to work with because I just, no one would fucking work with me, you know? And so the pre-production process of filmmaking, um, after you get your money and all that stuff and you have your script locked, um, if you're doing this for the first time, um, and I still use this now because the economy isn't what it was 10 years ago, you know, like, um, it's funny cause I know like in 2008 and 2009, a lot of people I knew were struggling really hard and I didn't start struggling, um, until probably mid 2010 to the beginning of 2011. So it took a little bit longer for the indie film community to really get smacked as hard as everybody else did, you know? Um, But it did happen, and there was a lot less work out there and a lot less money. So um, after a year of really... um, I'm jumping ahead of myself here. So... The uh, casting. Okay, let's talk about casting. Oh, no, no, no. Let's talk about locations. That's what I really want to get to. When you're writing your script or looking for a script or talking to a buddy about writing the script or whatever, and this is like something that is new for you, do everyone a favor and try to come up with something better than... um, gang raping some girl or stabbing some girl on the pussy or fucking, um, raping some dude in the butt, you know, like I know that that seems shocking and that's why a lot of, um, young filmmakers or new filmmakers go that route right off the bat because it's like, Oh, I'm going to do something so shocking. I'm totally going to get noticed and blah, 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 blah. And honestly, 
there's so much of that out there and those movies generally go to pretty shitty distributors and those shitty distributors don't pay and they will never give you any money you'll be hard pressed to get any fucking cash out of those people and the way their contracts work they have every fucking loophole in the world to never fucking pay you so by making a movie that's totally graphic and crazy like that you immediately annihilate really talented actors and actresses because most people who are any good aren't going to fucking do that okay um so you have mediocre actors and actresses but you might have some you know titties in it yay you know and if you're a real pervert you know you might get some bush in it or something like that super awesome great but now you've limited yourself to only a handful of distributors that are actually going to put that movie out and by your content alone bigger companies where you could actually make some good money um, whether it's being sold to Walmart or Redbox or um, Netflix, sometimes you could get away with Netflix and you know sometimes you could even sneak your way through Walmart, especially if it's on like a movie pack. But when that happens on a movie pack, you don't really get any money for that anyway. <clears throat> so anyway, you're totally limiting your field um, of how you could get your investment back or your investors' money back. Or to have anyone see your films at all, okay? Now, most people I know who have movies like this, me included, um, the trailer comes out and gets a lot of buzz. Um, a lot of the indie horror sites will talk it up a bunch and be excited about it. If you're lucky, it gets to play a festival or two, and then it kind of just kind of disappears unless you can find a really good outlet for it. But what you have to be careful for is that most of these distributors aren't going to give you any money. And if you took money from somebody to make a movie, you got to make sure that they make their money back. So putting the movie out, and I fell victim to this a couple times, I put a movie out with a distributor, and the way the contract is, like, even though it sounds like I'm getting a lot of money from it, they never really have to give me shit. And honestly, and we'll talk about this in the next segment on this episode, but um, DVD distribution is like really close to just vanishing. Um, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. But so back to you being a pervert and stuff, like try to come up with something a little more clever than gang rape and a bunch of cooter shots okay um there's other stuff you can do that's cheap and this is going to sound stupid but there are more tasteful ways to get girls naked you know and um a lot of everything like no matter how shitty a movie is or how small the budget was there's two things <clears throat> that make a movie seem like a really big movie and write this down. Yes, grab a pen or get the notepad on your iPhone. Two things. A really good script and really good sound. Okay? If your sound on your film is good, like professional, people will kind of cut you some slack on bad cinematography and bad... Um, 
camera composition in general, you know, if it sounds good. But if your movie looks like a million bucks and sounds like shit, everyone will go, oh, that movie sucks, or it looks like a porno. You know, it's like, those are, sound is the biggest fucking problem in any film, okay? And the thing that sucks more about that is for some reason, sound guys are kind of the biggest cocks there are in the movie biz. Um, And I really don't know why that is. I think it's just like a personality type that goes into wanting to be a sound guy in the first place. But they're always the first people to tell you, oh crap, I booked something else that's paying me more. Can you pay me more and then I'll stay? You know, like they're always the first ones to do that. So the kind of rule of thumb is don't hire your sound guy until like two days before your shoot, because if you hire him any sooner than that, he's going to quit. But back to the script, if you have a good, solid story and even moderately capable actors, you really have something there. And if you don't have a lot of money, just do what anyone will tell you, write what you know. If you know about motorcycle repair, write a movie about a guy who fixes motorcycles. If you know about working in a hospital, write about a guy who's studying to be a doctor. Don't write about a hospital because that's too fucking expensive. Unless you could sneak into your hospital and shoot for free. If you're um, studying law enforcement or something like that. Write a movie about a private detective because you don't need a police station or nothing like that. Try to think of every way to find, think of something you could make that's inexpensive, but that you know a shit ton about. So the movie, the production value seems a lot bigger because the knowledge of the characters and the things that they do are gargantuan compared to not having those things, if that makes any sense. Little things like that. Another thing for me is minimal locations. Minimal locations, minimal cast. If it were up to me, and which it usually is, so it's kind of stupid that I say that, but I always screw myself on accident. But um, I every movie I would make that costs almost nothing would take place in one location, like an apartment, a field, you know, a car, something like that. And would have like two to three characters in it. If you can make that interesting for at least 70 minutes, you know, if you can't, you got to add stuff. No big deal, you know, but think about what, you know, if you make cupcakes, make a fucking movie about someone who makes cupcakes. Do not make a fucking movie about someone who's splitting fucking atoms or fucking nuclear fission or something like that. Like, don't write about shit that A, you have no idea about, and B, you have no fucking clue how you'll even make that happen, okay? Don't write a movie that has a spaceship in it unless you're going to make the inside of a spaceship in your garage and you are familiar with model kits and making miniatures. Do not write a movie about a talking dog If your dog doesn't talk and you don't know how to do any animation work on your computer. If you can't do it, don't write it. 
And if you can master that concept, you'll be making a shit ton of movies in no time. It's not fucking rocket science by any means, you know, but I, I just run into so many people who like, Oh, I have this great idea for a movie. What is it? We go to Las Vegas. There's a bus full of zombies and strippers fly out of the tops of buildings. The whole town's exploding. Yeah. That sounds tits, dude. You should write that and get an agent. And then hopefully before the zombie craze ends, someone will buy your fucking script. And, you know, you'll make like 70 grand on that. Good day at work, you know. But if you want to make a movie, then you got to make something that you are capable of doing. And there's so many cameras now that are affordable to the general public. And... I mean, you have your SDLR cameras, like your 7D and your 5D and stuff like that. Your um, cameras like that. The Blackmagic, it's coming out in July, I guess. It's a 4K camera, like the Red, but it's only like four grand, you know? So that's pretty cool. But um, lenses are really what you need to figure out about. You need to do your homework on lenses and... um, really think about because uh, the stock lenses look like shit and they make your HD video look like a Mexican soap opera so you really have to do your homework on lenses and that's when and just know how to light um, so if you were to if you want to do this yourself pick up a book on lighting pick up a book on lenses or just go online and type in like what are the best lenses to use? And then it'll take you to some website where a bunch of camera nerds are like, oh my God, this is so freaking cool. Look what I did. And that's super cool. So with that being said, there's really no reason why you can't shoot something that looks good. And then honestly, like I've done it. My friends have done it. The new iPhones have such great cameras in them that you could shoot a movie on an iPhone and it's 1080p great stuff, you know. Um, they're good right now, so until the 3D TVs or the 3D or the 4K televisions come out, um, it'll still look really good. So um, if you want to go that route, go that route. And the 4S is the phone I have, I think is what it's called, the iPhone 4S. The audio on that, for some reason, is a little bit better than the audio on an iPhone 5 from what I've, like, just in talking with my friends that have it, and we go back and forth and watch each other's stuff and listen to each other's voice memos and stuff like that. And, um, shockingly, the, the picture quality is better on the iPhone 5, but the audio quality is better on the 4S, so... I don't know what the fuck to tell you. And can you hear all these planes, like, ready to crash into my house? Jesus H, dude, this is insane. Can't even think. Um, but, uh, so, that's basically filmmaking, you know? Um, uh, yeah, it's so simple, right? All you have to do is those things that I just said, and everything just falls together. It, it doesn't, but, um... The other thing I would say is either make storyboards, which are basically every shot you want in the movie, draw it out, even if it's a stick figure drawing, or know exactly when you read your script, you could like visualize it in your head and watch how each scene cuts together. Because the big problem I'm having with the movie that I'm editing right now 
is that there's all of these shots from um, like each location and everything like that in each scene, but there's nothing that cuts them together. There's nothing, there's not enough coverage, which is just like stuff around the room, like a shot of someone's hand, a shot of a cat. If you watch um, Wes Craven movies, Whenever he doesn't know what to do, they cut to a dog, or they cut to a cat, or there's some fucking animal doing something somewhere. You know, um, that's always easy. Um, there's there's just, you gotta have stuff to cut to when things get fucked up, you know? And you can only do so many, like, reaction shots, or a shot of someone listening to the person who's talking. Oh, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Before, like, even you cutting it, you're going, God, this is fucking boring. You know, like, you have to come up with cool shit to cut to. So try to have all that in your head before you go. And I mean, some editors like this, but I personally hate doing it. And I think it's because I already know how I want my movie cut. But. I don't do extra shit. So if I know I want a master shot, which is like everybody in one big shot, and then a two shot, which is like chest up on two people standing next to each other talking, and then a close up of the gun, and then a close up of their big eyes, that's all I'm going to shoot. I'm not going to shoot extra crap for the editor to try to make his own movie out of the stuff that I'm doing. Okay. Um, but that's just me, and maybe you're not that person, and you want to do something completely different. But basically, what I'm going to tell you right now <clears throat> is there's a lot of books out there that tell you how to make a movie. I'm telling you, I've read a lot of those books, and honestly, I don't think I've put any of that information into practice. Uh, the only thing that I ever read out of a book that I have thought about doing is when you're off on a location somewhere kind of far away from home, it's a good thing to take the spark plugs out of people's cars so they don't fucking drive away in the middle of the night and fuck you out of the rest of your movie. Um, other than that, there's not really a lot of information and, um, one of the things that people always say to me, like, oh, you should write a book on filmmaking because you've written a ton of fucking books, you know? You could probably do it, you know? And um, I could, and I've written a lot of chapters for this book on filmmaking that I might put out someday. But honestly, I think people write books on filmmaking for people who want to be a filmmaker, but they're kind of insecure and they don't have enough faith in themselves to just fucking do it. You know, you only live once you're, unless you believe in reincarnation and shit like that, then I have no advice for you. But if you are like me and you only live once and you're only 21 or 27 or 35 or 48 one time, fucking quit listening to this and go get a camera and make a fucking movie. You know, like, you can make more money on YouTube right now um, doing affiliate programs and Google AdSense than fucking you'll get from a distributor anyway. You know? Fuck it. The whole... The whole system... Like, this is me being a prophet now, so fucking sit back and start getting ready to get your frankincense and myrrh out and all that stuff. Mm. The film industry as we know it is about to take 
a drastic change. And I'm not even talking about just the film industry. I'm talking about the television industry, too. Television and film, as a whole, for the last, like, 15 years, the industry has been more and more not knowing what the fuck's going on and what the hell they're going to do. <clears throat> but basically, what it's boiling down to is this. The networks are firing hundreds of people daily, while places like Netflix and Hulu are hiring hundreds of people daily. Netflix is getting ready to announce 30 new original shows that they're going to be putting out. They did that show with uh, that dude from Sopranos who was in Bruce Springsteen's band. I don't know how that did, but House of Cards killed it. Okay, that show costs like a mil, like they got like 1.2 million to do the first season of House of Cards. And when that show came out, um, Netflix got 2.2 million new subscribers at at least seven bucks a pop. House of Cards is very successful. So Netflix does Hemlock Grove. Hemlock Grove has not got... It's the werewolf show on Netflix. Hasn't got great reviews that I've seen. And But from what I've gathered is everyone watched... Everyone who I've talked to has watched all 13 episodes or however many fucking episodes are. I haven't watched it. I'm just not interested. But the idea here is is that people are going, yeah, well, I watched all of it because I could. You know, the whole season's here. You know, I might as well watch it. And that mentality is taking broadcast television with their weekly episodes littered with commercials and turning it on its ass, you know, because believe it or not, a bunch of shows on the networks did not make as much money as fucking House of Cards made for Netflix. So a lot of these big conglomerate broadcast companies are selling off or just shutting down a lot of the subsidiary cable channels that they have. So like right now you might have 800 fucking channels by this time next year, you might have 70. Okay. Because a lot of the networks are ditching a lot of their ship channels. They're taking the programs that are good and either putting them on their websites or moving them over to the proper larger sites and or just holding on to shows until their contracts expire, okay? Now, what will probably end up happening within the next year is that a lot of these networks and conglomerates are going to move away from the cable companies and the satellite providers because most people's televisions can stream internet. And a lot of people more and more are watching movies on their computer and on their phones and on their tablets and all this other shit. So if you don't like paying 150 bucks a month for fucking cable, like most everybody else, how would you feel if you could get ABC and all of its other channels like ESPN and the Disney channel and ABC family and yada, 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 for $5 a month. Does that sound like a great deal? It does? Well, guess what? You're in luck because you could do this. What if you want NBC 
and um, all the NBC Universal channels like Sci-Fi Channel and Chiller and um, blah 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 blah. Oh, you could do that too for only four dollars a month or something like that. And so pretty soon you're going to be able to pick and choose exactly what you want and not have to go through a cable company, not have to buy basic cable because honestly the technology isn't even there. And if you're sitting at home going, yeah, that's a bunch of bullshit, you know, why would that ever happen? Guess what? For fucking from the fifties up through 83, nobody paid for TV. Advertisers paid for TV. You know, you didn't have to pay for cable. You got your feed from that. So what if Hulu comes out in December and says, guess what? We have 40 new programs coming out in the next two years that are Hulu exclusives and Hulu's fucking free, bitches. What are you going to do about it? Boom! They'll, they'll, they'll be huge. They will be huge. And as soon as one of these providers like that do something like that, it will wipe out everything else. Like, that's my theory here. So anyway, so I would totally pick and choose my networks because honestly, there are shows that I like on certain channels, but honestly, there are, if you watch shows on Fox and then watch shows on ABC and watch shows on CBS... They're lit differently. They're shot differently. They just have a different look to them. And you could almost pick a show at random and not know what channel you're on. And just by watching how the show looks for like 30 seconds, you could guess what network it's on. So for me personally, I wouldn't purchase any CBS thing um, unless there was a way I could just get the Big Bang Theory. Because for the most part, I hate the way CBS shows look. I love, however, the way Fox shows look. I I just really like the look of shows on Fox. ABC and NBC, I'm like, you know, like some of the shows look so... It's like they're trying to be overly moody, but then it just looks like too polished. It just, they look weird, you know, like... Lost obviously didn't really have that look when they were on the island, but that one season when they went back home and they were um, most of the, I mean, a lot of the episodes took place in flashbacks and those parts to me most of the time looked like shit, but that one season where they were home most of the time, oh my God, dude, like I, I was just dying. Like I hated the way that looked, but um I don't know. So that's me ranting about television. But basically what I'm getting at is movies, um, for the last two years, a lot of studios have been trying this whole thing out where they'll release a movie in the theaters and release it on home VOD the same day. The numbers coming in from that are very positive in the fact that people will pay to stay home and watch that same movie. Okay, so even the theaters are in trouble. And the thing that just boggles my mind is that most theaters are digital projection now, which means they're not running film reels. Okay, now the thing that even pisses me off more about this is a lot of those movies have these like um, it's almost like they have their own cable company and they have their own VOD. And every week, a new batch of movies are in their hard drive and they go in. And pick whatever movie that they're going to play in that theater and push the button 
and then it starts playing. So when you have to pay a shit ton of money to go sit in a big fucking room with a bunch of sick motherfuckers and watch a movie that you could watch at home the exact same way. I mean, yeah, they have a better sound system there and it looks really cool because it's huge. But when you're paying for the exact same technology you have at home, why are you paying for that? The only way I can see the theater industry staying in business is if they start making the movies free and just make all their money on concessions because that's all they make their money on anyway. Like, that's why when you are buying a fucking $6 Coke and you're like, this is stupid, I can't believe I'm buying a $6 Coke. That's where they make their money, okay? They hardly make any money off of box office sales. I mean, when... God, like, I don't know. I went to a movie and it cost 18 bucks and I almost killed somebody, dude. I couldn't fucking believe. And it's just the whole theater industry. So, okay, I'm getting so ahead of myself and I'm trying to squeeze all this into an hour. I might uh, try to do an extra 20 minutes here or something. But what I'm getting at is, is that within the next couple years, Things are going to change so much. It'll either be bad or good. But the fact is, is that a drastic shift in technology and where independent filmmakers are on the plateau with big companies like Universal and even like ABC, for instance. The, the playing field is level. The internet is the medium it's the new cinema it's the new everything okay your film that you put online now has just as much opportunities to someone seeing as the new tom cruise movie with the exception of marketing and that's where you got to figure out how to make sure everybody knows about your product but it it's just weird because the way viral marketing goes you never know what's going to hit big, what's going to take off. It could be a movie about your dog chasing its tail, or it could be somebody falling down a flight of stairs or something like that. Or it could be a movie you made about a guy who works on motorcycles, whose wife works at a hospital, so she's trying to get her doctorate degree while their uncle is a private detective and they make cupcakes you know, you don't know and nobody knows. It's just a freak of nature fluke. There are some science behind it and you could pay people to make sure everyone knows about the shit you're doing. But all of that shit should be added into the budget of the movie that you're making, which we already talked about was no budget at all. So do the math on that. Uh, 5,000 minus zero is, yeah, okay. So anyway, um, that's kind of how all of this works, I guess. I don't know how I started doing this, and I am just blessed and, you know, that I'm able to do it still. You know, a lot of people, well, even a lot of people I know, haven't been able to do as much as I have, you know, and a lot of it might be because I 
just rush through stuff and I'm like, I'm just going to do it. I don't give a shit about what anybody says and blah, 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 blah. It's just like, you have to have the drive to do it and surround yourself with people who either have that drive too, or who want that drive. But if you have people around you who are going, Oh, don't do that. Oh, that'll never work. Negative, negative, negatron, blah, 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 blah. Tell them to go suck a dick and go fucking do something else. But you got shit you got to do. Okay, your movies aren't going to make it themselves, and no one is going to come to your house and say, "Hey, I heard of a script idea you had on the intronet. Um, I'm going to give you nine kajillion dollars to make it." It's that's never going to happen. So basically, no one's going to fucking help you but yourself. So just fucking pull up your bootstraps, put on your big girl panties, and go fucking make a movie. You know, like I don't know another way of saying it. Um, I hear a lot of people talking about, oh, yeah, I'm going to make a movie. I'm going to do this. It's going to be great. Things are going to, going to, going to, going to, going to, going to, going to. As soon as I hear a going to person, I don't even listen anymore. I want to hear someone who says, I did this. I did that already. You know, like, those are the people you want to surround yourselves with. Um, right now, I'm going to make a couple movies, but um, we're in pre-production on two movies right now. One's called Satanicus, which is like a silent, shallow um, kind of slasher movie thing, and um, the other one is this kind of cool, weird sci-fi horror movie called Frankenstein's Bride. Very original title, yes, I know, but it's very fun. Um, it is not a sequel to my Frankenstein film. It's a completely different thing, but it still follows some of the Frankenstein mythos. And earlier in the year, I made White Zombie, the White Zombie remake. You can see the trailer for it um, on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash creeperson. And we also did The Bitch That Cried Wolf this year, which um, I did that out in uh, Minneapolis, and it's uh, super fun. It looks great. Um, excited about that. Um, if you want to know anything more about me or you have questions for me or anything like that about the stuff that I've been talking about here, um, go to creepersoncast.com or just go on iTunes and subscribe to creepersoncast. That's my show. You could email me at creeperson at gmail.com. You could follow me on Twitter at creeperson. Um, you could, I think it's facebook.com slash creep creeperson is my my like page and uh, facebook.com slash creepersons the band page. Um, you could go to creepersonfilms.com to find out more about my films and how you could actually um, be a producer on five of my movies that I'm doing this year, including Satanicus. Um, right on the homepage right there, the Indiegogo thing. Take a look at that. It's called Revenge of Awesome. That's the campaign we're doing right now. Um, yeah, or you could call the Creeper Call line, and I'll play your call on the show that I do on Creeperson Cast. It's uh, fifty-five ninety-nine Creep Zero. That's fifty-five ninety-nine Creep Zero. If you're interested in Bloodless Romance, the book I was talking about at the beginning of the show, uh, you could go to lulu.com/slash/creepcreeperson, I believe, and find it there, or just search it on Amazon. It's around somewhere, um, and all sorts of other stuff. Listen to my music, watch my movies, read my books, and. Uh, Subscribe to me on YouTube and watch the shows I'm doing. I'm going to be doing a lot more web shows and um, releasing some of my films online um, as trials for what the, exactly we were talking about two seconds ago. So um, just keep in touch. Let me know what you're doing. Let me know what you thought about this. And if you, again, if you have any questions, I'm a fucking open book, dude. Um, 
just let me know and we will chat soon so um keep creepy everybody and i'll catch you later and to wrap things up this week we go to seeing red number 86 canadian deliverance part one Rebecca, Aaron, and Dave start off with the news about how California law allows a gay marriage between a man and his pet dog. Then somehow the trio get off topic and start creating a hammer horror story called Canadian Deliverance. Hey, boys and girls, welcome to Scene Red. I'm David K. Montoya. I'm Rexy Lofgren. And I'm Aaron Illich. Kids, today is a bright and glorious day. Day is when the people of this world that are gay... And they want to marry their dogs can come together in holy matrimony because as of today, it is legal to marry your male homosexual companion animal. What? <laughs> I told you. In what state? Colorado, <laughs> it has to be. Big gay owl lives there. Who does? Big gay owl. Oh, big. Big gal. Okay. He's going Colorado. What do you think? Oklahoma, Arkansas area? California. Really? It is our state, our home state of California. In fact, the article that I'm looking at, it says California allows first ever state-recognized homosexual human-animal marriage. What county? Off, I'm sure. <laughs> no. San Francisco. They oh, everything big whoop right there. there. That's the... I'm telling you. The gays on the roof of Not even that. the car with the glockenspiel. Not even that. Everything is allowed in San Francisco. Like, they have the freaking people who are... Like, they... You have to. They have to let like nude people go to like cafes and shit that are that are ex, not exhibitionists. Uh, nudists. Nudists. The nude people go into the exhibitionist cafe. <laughs> Shut up. You know what I mean. But they let allow everything in San Francisco. It was, and I was just found it on Facebook. Somebody had posted it. I'm like, what? And I I read it, and that was remember last week. I said I had a story for you. Yeah, and you're like, I, I can't find it. Well, I found it because I, it was stored in my iCloud. That's where I had it. Okay. And then I was like, oh, yes, I found it. And instead of waiting for the last bit of the show to open up with, I just, I don't think we could probably talk much more other than this for right now. Because, <clears throat> fine, you're, uh, you're gay. Okay. Whatever floats your boat. We have, we don't judge. We really don't. No. Um, in fact, I have gay friends and I'm sure you two have gay friends. Yeah. But here's the thing that draws the line is when it's no longer you're you're like it's an interspecies relationship. Mm -hmm. So that means anybody can go get married to their animal. You can go marry Cody, divorce Aaron, marry Cody, and you're still entitled to the same tax regulation as if you two were married. That is what it is in the state of California. Wow. Aaron's just looking at me. <laughs> uh, I oh. love my cats, but I would never fucking marry one. You need that tax right off bad enough. I guess you do what you gotta do. Okay, I'm gonna, let's see. 
I'll, I'm going to try to read as much as I can without intermittent. We'll see what happens. It says, San Francisco. Mon- on Monday, history was made at the Chapel of Our Lady at Presidento in San Francisco as the first ever state-recognized human-animal marriage took place. Now, <clears throat> okay, we've already we've already you know pinpointed that it's a dude and, and a male dog. Yeah. How old do you think this guy is? Forty-two. Wow, that was a high number. <laughs> I just I picture some kind of like not grotesque flamboyant gay old man. No, I picture like some guy you probably wouldn't think would be gay. Wanting to marry some dogs. Um, what I'm going to do here, and this is kind of something that we've started doing here on Scene Red, is the kids have uh, a tablet, so I'm going to send you a link so you can see. Get the laptop. It's not a tablet, so it's a Chromebook. Well, isn't it pretty much the same thing, isn't it? You do it. I got animals. <clears throat> How appropriate. <laughs> uh, it's not the only thing you have. Animals. I don't have herpes or anything. <laughs> what are you talking about? Okay, I sent it over so you can see what this guy looks like. On which one? Huh? Face- hey, on yours. Facebook. Facebook on yours. Um, <clears throat> let's see. How old did you say he was? How did you- I said 28. I said 42. Local resident, 35-year-old Paul uh, Horner. Horner? Was- <laughs> Horner. Horner. <laughs> How appropriate. Scene uh, red, everybody. <laughs> oh, I seen this, and I instantly thought of scene red. Um, let's see. So, local resident, thirty-five-year-old Paul Horner, was the groom during the ceremony. Joining him was his faithful dog Mac, who is thirty-six years old in dog years. Mac also d- decided to be the groom, but ended up wearing a white veil at the last moment. So you wait until you see this picture. Did you find it? Yeah, but it, it's taken forever to load. Um, yeah, it's it's wait until you see this. It's good. <clears throat> Father Miguel, who officiated the outdoor wedding, told reporters he was extremely happy to be part of this joyous moment of life. This is a joke, right? It's a hoax. No, it's real. What website is it on? Uh, this is from the National Report. Oh. Yes, very much real. What you're gonna say from Hustler? Like Hustler lies. Uh, let's see. Oh no, no. What? Uh, I got hit with a stupid ass commercial. Let me tell you, kids, that's one thing that pisses me off to no end is these dumbass commercials. Oh, my gosh. Oops, shit. <clears throat> There's the, the groom and the groom. Really? Poor, like poor Cody. <laughs> I know. <No>. Huh? <laughs> Cody's my my uh, lab. <clears throat> and nobody thought this was odd. Well, first thing I want to bring to you is notice that the priest, Father Mikhail, yeah, is wearing an upside down cross. cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
You noticed that? Uh-huh. Okay. Just, just throwing that out there. Um, so his statement, Father Miguel, is, this is the definition of true love, my friends. There is nothing more sacred than the bond between a man and his faithful dog, Mikhail said. Tell that to old yeller. <laughs> yeah. Yellow! Now, since it is recognized as a legally binding marriage in the state of California, Mr. Horndog, I mean Horner, <laughs> and Mac will have the same tax benefits and everything else coming to them that a regularly a regular married couple would receive. What if the dog wants out? <laughs> I'm serious. Like, oh, we're getting married. We decided this. No, motherfucker, it's a one-sided relationship. That's kind of one thing I, I, I didn't quite understand is in order to be married, yeah. ha- you have to be consenting, right? Yeah. How do you? How do they figure out that the dog wants to get you know poked in the ass? Think about it seriously. How how did they? Do you? Burr. You know, I, I guess if you have a good job and you can afford to give your dog a ribeye while you pork them every <laughs> night. I, I just... uh, Father Mikhail also said, it is a fantastic day to be alive. Um, it's, That's an excuse. If I ever heard one. Yeah, he's a dog fucker too. You know he is. Yeah. <laughs> His altar boys have dogs too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it says, how could this have happened? In big, bold letters. And it says, in the book of California state laws regulations, there is a little known law that was passed as a state, or as the state was first forming in 1850. According to Article 155, paragraph 10, it clearly states, if a man and a man can get married, and a woman and a woman can get married, if ever comes the day that a human and animal will have the exact same rights to marriage in every eye of the law. They were fucking their horses back then. They didn't care. And then it says, God help us if this ever happened. Um, it, it's, I don't know, man. It's just, obviously it says it's not biblical if it's they're uh, reprising if man and man get married and woman and woman get married. That's just a statement within itself. Very true. In attendance was Horner's entire family who flew in from Hawaii to witness this event. Mac had her puppies on hand. I want to see those puppies. They got human heads and dog bodies. There's a boy had that puppy. That's what it says. It says Mac had her. Her. There's a misspelling here. Yeah, puppies on hand. Um. What did you get custody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make a special celebrity appearance. <laughs> was Zach from? What is that? S T R O H. What is that? Anybody know? Mm-mm. I'd have to see it. And Spuds McKenzie showed up. Yes. I thought he was dead, but he's still alive. 
All right, are you ready for this? This is this is probably the most deserving disturbing part of this whole thing. You ready for Horner's speech? Sure. Or his quote? Quote. <sighs> okay, here we go. <clears throat> I just love my Mac so much. I can't wait to finally get back to the honeymoon suite in Montana where bestiality is legal. Gosh. Get with the times, California. We can marry here just fine. But making love is a big no-no, said Horner. Is that verbatim? Yes. That's exactly what he said. Oh, my God. <clears throat> Bobby. What? Get the 12 gauge. We're getting this motherfucker. <laughs> come back fucking the horses and stable them and I'll come out and I'll kill his ass. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's exactly what he said. Um, people keep asking me why I want to marry a dog. I told them I just want the same God-given rights that every person in California is allowed to have. Don't tell me I can't marry my dog. I don't tell you that you can't marry... <clears throat> Let's see. This is where it gets kind of... It kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Don't tell me you can't marry a 500-pound woman with herpes. That's your decision. Don't tread on me. I love my dog, and I know he loves me a hundred times more than any gay marriage out there. First of all... This is quoting. That's dehumanizing something. <laughs> yeah. A human's life is more valuable than an animal's life, whether the human be 700 pounds, 800 pounds, 900 pounds, or 120 pounds. That right there can spark a debate within itself. That statement right there? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because that's, like I said, it's dehumanizing. Well, number one, he's a sick fucker, okay? No, he's a dog fucker. Well, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> he... How many people are going to come to the state of California and marry their animal now? Whether or not they're they're really quote unquote animal. Yeah, you know, what about these people that want tax relief? Okay? As someone who's been married for almost 20 years, I know it's a big difference from ta you know, from being single paying taxes to being married paying taxes. Big big difference. What were you going to say, Bets? Oh, no, I'm listening. Um, I, I don't know. Number one, that's going to fuck up our whole system, you know, for sure. one. Because everybody's going to be married now. There's not going to be, there's, I don't know. Like I said, whether, now this fucker right here, he's he can't wait to get his dick in this dog. Right. Yeah, he, got... <laughs> he already said that. Get Bub Joe down the street and get his pickup. Get the body. No, so, I mean, for him, I don't think he's he's doing it for, you know, tax purposes. But you know there's people out there that are going to do this just for tax relief. Exactly. And a big part of that is, you know, being married to someone is having consent from the other person. 
You're not getting consent from an animal. Right. You can get consent from a fucking 500 pound woman with herpes. Can't get consent from an animal. No. Oh, and, just because the animal, sorry. Just because the animal loves you doesn't mean it's giving you consent to fucking stretch its butt, stretch its butthole for you. It's like, gets down, puts his butt up in the air. Like, <laughs> that's wrong. How do you teach a dog that? Wait a second. It's, ah, <clears throat> uh, fuck, guys. I, it's disgusting. It is now. This guy, this guy is so bad that he couldn't find someone to have sex with, whether it be a female or a male. He couldn't have sex with them, so he had to go to an animal. Yep. Poor little doggy. And here's a thought that just popped into my head. Rebecca's falling asleep again. Um, so if, but what's his name? Bud? Mac. Mac. Yeah. If Mac has puppies and those are his puppies, so does that make those puppies the Horner's stepkids? Yeah. Right? Basically. So now he's going to get to write all those pup, all, you know, how many ever puppies, eight puppies off. <laughs> how many dependents do you have? I have Nine. eight. Yeah. <laughs> the thing uh, is that the thing is that I think is funny is the fact that you're right. You know how many people are going to come? I still have a hard time believing this is real. Why? Because it just seems too far fetched. <clears throat> well, if if I find out it's not real, I'll let you know. All right. But as of this moment. I believe it's real. Um, let's see. It says, with the wedding between a man and a male dog now on the books, only can or one can only ask what is in store next. These are some good ones. Ready? A man marrying a toaster. Ooh. A toaster marrying a dog. <laughs> or fuck. A toaster marrying a toaster. Toastception. Toastception. <laughs> and then in the final ends here with this, it says, America, what happened to the syncrety of marriage? Tisk tisk. And I agree because, you know, again, I don't have any problem with, because you're humans. You know, whether you're male or female, you're homosexual or straight, you're human beings, you're able to consent. Yeah. Okay. As long as you can consent to a marriage, I have zero problem with it. But a dog cannot consent. A dog doesn't have the right to bear arms. A dog has no... It. A dog is completely exempt from anything regarding... You know the laws of the land, right? Dog, I say, a dog's a dog. They love their human no matter what. Exactly. As they long can't as you consent show to marriage. Yeah, as long yeah, as you show you an animal affection, dog don't freaking know what you're saying. It, it's, it's disgusting. It really is disgusting. It's disgusting. And unfortunately, disgusting fits right here on scene, right? I think uh, a lot of like. Well off people are gonna try to do this shit just for tax write offs. 
And the government is going to take wind of this and be like, okay, look, this shit's got to stop. Okay. And it's going to go illegal. My thing is, though, what if you want to get out of, uh, what if you married your dog and you don't want to be married to your dog anymore? You don't like your dog. Your dog was cheating on you. Yeah. They found another dog that was in heat or something, you know. And then you want a divorce because you're heartbroken. The dog can't give consent Who's for a to fucking say divorce. say that his dog is even gay? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. I'll tell you right now. There are some dogs that will hump any dog. Put that dog in front of a, a bitch in heat and he'll still try to do her. No pun intended. <laughs> it's, yeah. No, no, no. It, it's, I don't know. I, I'm trying to see, I'm actually looking on here on Google right now and trying to see if it says, if there's anything out there that says that this is fake. <clears throat> but as of right How now. How far are we into this? Ten minutes. Five. Five? Yeah. You're fucking lying. I am. How many, how far are we into this? 20. Okay. I'm falling asleep over here. I keep my eyes open. It's not my fault. I'm falling asleep over here. I'm tired. <laughs> I, I gotta keep my eyes open. I'm just gonna lay here and I'll say yes or no answer. That's all you've been doing. No, I've had some input. <laughs> I can't keep my eyes open. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, here's one. Let's. The headline says, "Divorced British woman marries her dog." So I guess this is a, a new trend that's starting to happen. There's an Australian man that married his dog too. His five-year-old Labrador. Male or female? Female. Oh, I was gonna say it had to be female because this was the first gay. Well, that was an interspecies. Let's see. Some lady married a dolphin in Israel. <laughs> was it Peter? No, it was the ra- it was not the rape dolphin. <laughs> His name was Cindy, but it was a boy. Really? Which that doesn't make sense to me, whatever. Was he Sindu? Oh. I was reading all these different things about people marrying animals, and there's these two kids that were forced to marry dogs. But they were free to get married when they became... They're like nine and seven or some shit. Uh-huh. They were free to get married to a human once they became an adult. But they had to marry an a dog animal. for, because one of them had a bad omen and the other one had something I don't know. I think a lot of these <laughs> things have bad omens. That that makes me one of our first episodes of Seeing Red when we start talking about this, and you're talking about bad omens. Remember that guy, that 18 year old kid that was caught fucking a cow and they made him marry <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, they made him marry it. They drowned the poor thing. Because he had a bad omen. <laughs> yeah, poor cow. I was so devastated. <laughs> that was a good show. That was a good show. That was sad, though. That was awesome. What the are you cow, talking the about? The cow gets raped, but not even on its own choice. Then the cow has to marry some ugly-ass guy. And then the poor cow has to get drowned because to purify the village. Yes. Yes, exactly. And then everybody had steak for <laughs> <laughs> they don't eat steak. They're, they're Hindus. Yeah. Cows are sacred. That's why he got in trouble because he has. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cows are their gods. 
Yeah. I thought it was the same episode that we found out where you that guy was having like a uh, a black market farm sex what was the same episode was it I think it was you know there's a documentary <laughs> about this place somewhere in, I don't know Missouri Texas somewhere and it's about all these men who live with their 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 boyfriends and girlfriend, or it's men and women that live their boyfriend, girlfriend, dog, dogs, cats, goats, horses, whatever. It's like a flop house for bestiality. But I think they closed it down finally. <clears throat> we talked about that, didn't we? I think we did. I because they took again. they took all the animals into uh, protective Rescue. custody. Okay. Remember? Yeah. Okay. Let's see. I'm going to try to catch <sighs> this before it loads. Um. I- Let's see. Just a random thought here, guys. There's way too many internet or video ads. They're annoying. For, like, now, if you're watching a video ad, or if you're watching a video like YouTube, I think that's appropriate, okay? That's monetization, yeah, they can do that. But when you go to read an article and you a video ad pops up, on that to me, that's just irritating as hell. Hey, boy. I see you got a dog right there. Is that correct? Why, yes. Yes, it is. Get him, boys. What what are you going to do to me? What are you going to do to me? (laughs) (laughs) No! Stupid ass city boy. Put him in the trunk. Dig a hole. Oh my god, that was good. So what was that? Your reenactment of uh what what should have happened? <laughs> <laughs> the listeners are probably thinking, what the fuck just happened? Because right when you started, that's where we're putting the commercial at. So <laughs> They're going to be like, wait, wait, I missed something. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, that's awesome. But, uh, yeah. So did they shoot the dog? Yeah. They felt with, because you know how, you know, down in the south, they don't condone that stuff, only behind closed doors. Uh-huh. But it, they don't think it's very whatever. <laughs> right, right. To have it legalized. Like, you do you, no questions asked, no questions seen, you know, ask, uh, ask no one, tell no one. Right, right. Military status type stuff. That's how they are. I mean, ain't nobody gonna tell you, well, is that bag of fucking Phil's, uh, horse, you know? (laughs) But, uh, you know, they don't go around announcing that shit to the world. Oh, yeah, Bill came over here and he was telling me how much he, you know, he likes to fuck his poodle. His poodle. Like, what? <laughs> how can... What? Yeah, he's got a chinchilla, too. I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> he found a dead possum and shit on the road. <laughs> Fucking roadkill, man. You don't, you don't give a shit. It's squishy and wet. Strap <laughs> so, some glue on it, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make me a mini carpet. 
I'm ghost of full of preservatives. Oh shit. It's uh <clears throat> what is that called? It's uh uh um, um Oh fuck, what is it called? I can't think. Uh, I know, I I know what you're talking about. The uh it preserves dead bodies. Uh huh. Yeah, it's fucking yeah, yeah. Something with the F. We'll get an email. You stupid fuck. It's this. <laughs> we were just talking about this the other day. Actually. We were. But um, <clears throat> you know that you you doing that skit made me think. Go back and think of the the whole. Um, did we talk about Canadian Deliverance on, yeah, on last yeah, episode? Squeal pig, squeal. It's like squeal pig. Eh? <laughs> After that, we'll go around the tree and get some maple syrup. Hoser? <laughs> no. I'm kidding. Don't chew me. Oh, shit. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, when you were doing that, that bit, I was, that's what I was going back on. I was thinking about that. <clears throat> we, we've had some interesting things to, to talk about. You know, on, and what is this? I don't even know what episode this is. I think anymore. this is, uh, 87? I don't know. I know we're getting up there. We're getting close to the 100 mark. How about we stuff you, Simba? You want to be stuffed? Yeah. He's talking to, uh, my wife's cat. <laughs> he's a fat little cat, man. I think he's stuffed enough. He ate all the damn cat food. I guess, shit. He's like, that's so fat. I'm just asleep. Launched. <laughs> so, um, more like lunched. Fucking pig. Okay, just for shits and giggles, because now, now I'm, I'm curious. Okay, here we no, go. No, I didn't have any crack. No. <laughs> okay, director day is coming out again. Okay, setting the sting, setting the scene. Setting the sting. Yeah. <laughs> We're taking this motherfucker down. <laughs> yeah. We're in the Canadian backwoods. And Ma and Paul, probably, for shits and giggles, let's make them in the mid-twenties. They broke down in the back of the Canadian woods because they were trying to make, you are trying to do a shortcut. Okay. As they get out of the car, because they get stuck, they're running. They come across this old, like, shack house. And as they go in, they're captured by a bunch of Canadian hillbillies. What would that sound like once they get captured? You know, actually, I, I think uh, I think this was actually in a movie or something once. Because yeah, I'm going through it in my head, and I'm thinking, it's kind of like... Uh, it's not like deliverance. <laughs> I think, yeah, well, it's, it is like deliverance, but it's some, something close to it, but it's not it. It's like there's a park ranger involved and it was like, uh, a bunch of these kids going out and they're like, well, I told you not to, uh, I told you not to tread too far because he was trying to warn them or whatever because uh-huh. he already knows the people that live there. They they uh they come back and they're like they're they they're cannibals, but they live off of like animals and shit too. Have you ever seen uh, that? You know what that is? That's one of the remakes from uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's what you're talking about. Is it? Yes. They have like they're they're 
on a vacation or whatever, uh-huh. and they go out to these woods, and the park ranger's like, be careful, don't tread too far, you know, the land's kind of uh, rigorous, and, you know, don't go too far, or else you might not come back. But he doesn't tell them, and then uh, he he sees the people coming out, screaming out of the house, because they escaped out of the house, and he's like, oh, don't worry, I got you, or whatever, I got you. And yeah, I get my uh, get in my truck, and he ends up like taking the uh, the rifle and knocking him out and tying him up back in the thing. And the lady's pregnant. I'm almost 100 percent sure that's the remake of the one of the remakes of Texas Chainsaw okay. Massacre. I was just I was wondering. I was like, huh? Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, yeah, that's pretty close to it. <laughs> it. It was good, whatever it was. I seen it on Sci-Fi. Oh, really? Yeah. Is he? It's either sci-fi or something else. I don't know. It was on one of those weird channels. Anyway, um, so what what would it sound like? They just got captured. So what happens? Okay, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. <clears throat> how many people should we have? Like four. What? How many ever you want? Okay. Just let your imagination go off, and you'll see why I do this, kids, because it's fucking hysterical. <laughs> Once he gets to that zone, it is hysterical. Well, it's 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 hard for me to come because, as you can tell, like I'm kind of my voice is a little bit getting raspy now. Uh huh. But uh, it's hard for me to to maintain the Canadian voice because then I, I go into I go into David K Montoya Mexican Mexican Canadian Mexican Yeah. But uh, okay, I'm thinking. Okay. What do you want from us? No, I can't. Hold on. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of what. Think of a hillbilly with a Canadian <laughs> accent. Hold on. <clears throat> We're just playing around here, kids. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard for me to get everything going. If it's like. I'm thinking, okay, it's like three of them, and then okay. the two people. Okay. If I had another correspondent, it would be a lot easier. You had one, you know, one that's old. <laughs> you got, you got the dad, and you got, you got the son, and then um, uh, the sister. <laughs> the dad's like 80 years old. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Do you like finger food? I like finger food. <laughs> and they like. Grab the the guy's hand. He's like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" I laugh finger food, boy. He pulls out a big ass machete, <laughs> chops the finger off. He, he pulls ah! a he pulls a crocodile Dundee on. Like, you call that a knife, boy? And he is. And he's like, he starts sharpening it on the on the blade. He's like, shing, shing, shing. What, what are you gonna do with that? What are you gonna don't kill us? Don't kill. <laughs> Finger food, boy. Finger food, boy. <laughs> oh shit! You know we could actually sit here and make something really good. We could, we could. Like it's like I said, it's a lot easier if I have another corresponder. Because I, to me, it's like too much input. Uh-huh. I'm thinking of all the different characters, what the different characters are going to do, and then I go to start talking about it. I'm like, and the guy's like, uh, uh, you cut my finger off, and then without warning, he's like. Cuts another one off, and he's just like, 
Yeah, he's gnawing on it, and then the and sun the, comes up. Yeah, I was gonna him. say the sun. <laughs> <laughs> he gets like a sock with another sock inside of it, and ties it around the back of his mouth, like a ball gag. And then uh, the uh, the chicks like screaming, ah, 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 takes the butt of the rifle. Shut the fuck up, bitch. She hits the floor. Poof. The guy's freaking out. They they take a hook or something like a uh, like a little like a scythe uh, uh, or something yeah. or like um what you use to hook the hay with yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and take that and then he hooks him in the back of the vertebrae or and, and just drags him down the fucking stairway down in the basement and then he hangs him up on a uh, uh, a a chain thing with like a bunch of hooks coming out of it like they hold the meat on and then and then uh they it's like an automatic uh 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 tread thing it's like and he's freaking out because he sees all these different dead bodies and shit hanging from him oh my god yes that'd be awesome and then the dad's like we're having pig for dinner kids squeal pig squeal <laughs> we're t- we're working on Canadian deliverance. Okay. Rebecca stepped away for a <laughs> She's like, "What?" Rebecca the stepped fuck? away for a few minutes, but now she's back and and she came in. Um so what happens is is this family they're from the United States. They go on this adventure in Canada. They're going on back roads of Canada kind of thing and then they get stuck. You know, because they go too far out in the Canada. Mm. And they're walking and they come across this old dilapidated house. And they they come across these Canadian hillbillies. Well, the Canadian hillbillies capture them. They tie them to the chair. They're sitting in the kitchen. And there's the dad, the, the son, and the, the sister. And the dad's looking at them. And they're the, the Americans are freaking out. They're like, you know. And he's like. I like finger food. And so he takes out like a, a, a buoy knife and he <laughs> chops one of the fingers off and he's like, <laughs> and then he's like freaking out. So the son comes up behind him. He takes the sock and puts a sock, you know, a couple of socks and rolls it up and puts it. And so he's like, <laughs> and then uh, they go and they chop off another one. And the dad's just like, the son's like, hey, don't eat all the food. And then Aaron was talking about, you know, hooking them like a meat hook on the side and going and, and dragging them off, putting them on a chain. And now he's kind of going around. And he's as he's coming around the the trail, mm-hmm. he's seeing all these other dead bodies kind of hanging out there uh, that have been skinned. You know how, like, they skin yeah. the animals and they, they go up there to, to um, age. And then the dad goes and he's like, we're going to have pig for dinner, kids. So that's where we're at. Of course, they wouldn't have an accent like that. But No, yeah. I they, wouldn't, they wouldn't be hillbillies. They'd be more like mountain men. <clears throat> well, according to what I read online, they have hillbilly Canadians. Oh, they do? Yeah, yes. They do. Oh. Like backwoods. Uh-huh. So they straight up. <laughs> but see, they couldn't use a gun. No. Because you were talking about how the the... American woman was freaking out, and you said they took a gun and hit her in, in the face with it. 
with mm-hmm. the butt of the gun, but that wouldn't happen because Canadians aren't allowed to have guns. Well, then it would be a, like a, but they a have club or something. Yeah, baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> Luminous, so you hear the. <laughs> <laughs> come, come on, Rebecca, join in. I'm you, really. You've got the sickest mind of the three of us. I'm, I know you do. I'm trying. I can't. So okay, so he's hanging there, right? He's trying to wiggle off, and as he's more as he's wiggling, he can feel the the spike from the hook going deeper into his skin because it, it went under the skin. It didn't hit the vertebrae because mm-hmm. obviously we want him to be able to make an attempt to run later. Yeah. So then we cut back to the the wife, his girlfriend, whatever, and she's still strapped down to the the um, chair. Okay, so she just got hit with, well, not just got hit, but she had got hit with a metal baseball bat. Yeah. She's waking up. What does she see? She sees a, a guy with a ripped shirt walking up to her. He's covered in blood. He's got the baseball, a dented up baseball that baseball bat. No, is this separate from the, the father and the son? Or is this someone different? Or is it the father it's, and the son? The, it's the woman went down... The sister or whatever. Uh-huh. She went down to check on the guy, you know, see what's going on. And then, uh, the father's in, on the porch in his rocking chair, walk, rocking back and forth because, you know. <laughs> Jesus, he's, uh, he's, the little chill. He's sharpening his bowie knife. No, you have, you have the, 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 this is the mom, right? No, it's, we established that there was going to be two males and one female. But no, we can, the Americans. One of them's, oh. Yeah, the mom. Americans, the mom. And there's kids or no? No. No. It's just a... They went on a vacation. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay, well, she can be pregnant. Okay. And the hillbilly daughter can be like, you're nothing but a whore. Starts ripping off her clothes, like getting off in her crotch. She's going to cut that baby out. How oh, far, that's a good one. How far along? She, she No, no, no. She should start, like, licking her pussy and shit, right? <laughs> but, oh, you're such a fucking dirty whore, right? And then she takes the fucking, the, the meat hook, and she sticks it in, into the stomach and rips oh. it open. And takes a fucking, uh, 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 a wine bottle opener and sticks the, the corkscrew in there. Oh, and starts it. taking the fetus out. Oh, that'd be awesome. I like how he has to make it all, like, dirty and then, like, super gory. Yeah. 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 But I, yeah, yeah, we're going to, all three of us are going to have to sit. Oh my God, another writing We can't project. have no oral sex. <laughs> like, we can't have no oral sex because she's it, saying she's a whore because for religious or something, you know? Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, the dad's sitting out on the porch sharpening his machete or his uh, bowie knife. And he's, he's like, Jesus, yeah. the little children. Oh yeah. That's, ooh. She comes out with the. The dead fetus. Like, no, you have a dead fetus. No, listen. <laughs> fucking listen. <laughs> now she's getting it. Yes, yes, you're come on. You're pissing me off because no, you're trying to take away my ideas. You got to have them cut out the baby and keep the baby alive so they can eat the baby later. Ooh. Or put it in a pickle jar like they have the rest of them set up. The rest of them. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. So, okay. So, so she just, okay. So they cut out the baby. Well, see, that would also, like the Jesus Loves the Little Children thing, that would fall in line with the whole pickled fetus jar thing. Well, now then, let's see, because we need, let's see, now we need a kid. They they should figure out, like, they're not actually married, 
but they're just uh mom and dad. Right, right, right. And like they're super uber religious but psychopaths on top of it and schizophrenic. Yeah, they have it they have another they have a son, an older son. That's with them. He's like a teenager. Okay. Okay. They go okay. The teenager stays at back at the car, right? Mm-hmm. So they're like, Stay here, we're gonna go get help. And they've been gone for hours. He's like, Fuck, you know, his his whatever, you know, his phone died or something. He was, He's got no reception. He's in the yeah. middle of the woods. They right. gave him, you know, the phone in case, you know, of emergency. And he's like, fuck this. He gets out, tries to find a call box. Yes. So now he he's walking and he finds the the uh the house. And he's like That's me trying to make a knocking sound. The old man <laughs> opens the door. Yes. How can I help you, son? Have you seen my mom and dad? They were looking for help. We we got stuck a few miles back. No, son. But you look tired. Come on. <laughs> I was about to say he invites him in. Yes. Sits him down. Gives him a a glass. He's like he, he he's like oh do you want some water or whatever. Yeah, oh no 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 no, because he's got to he's got to test the purity of the child, if if because it's all about children. He's got to make sure that the kid is pure. If he's pure, then he lets him go. But he's like, "Do you drink beer, boy? You like a nice cold beer?" And the the kid, you know, being fifteen, sixteen year olds, he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." You know, and, and the fact is, is he's actually never had a drink in his life, but the the opportunity presented itself. Mm-hmm. And so the boy wanting to drink alcohol to the father is a sin. So he's a sinner, so he deserves to die. Okay, take it from there. Okay. I can you can't die, though. How about he, there has to be one survivor. Yeah. How, about he give, how about he gives him a beer that's laced with like some kind of uh, drug or something? A hallucinogenic? Okay. Like uh, the date rape. What is the date rape called? Roofie. Are they roofies? Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Anyways, making a long story short. No, we want to make this long story long. <laughs> so someone can steal it and make a movie and we'll be like, look at our movie. It's on TV. We didn't get no money from it. Oh, trust me. I'm going to write up a plot synopsis and I'm going to copyright this bitch tomorrow. Watch. This yeah. is good. I talked about Canadian Deliverance last week. We are working on Canadian Deliverance. Technically, since it is part of the podcast and the podcast is trademarked on to iTunes and copyright. True, 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 true. Nobody can steal the audio from this without consent from your brother. Yeah, they can steal the ideas. No, they cannot. Because they have to buy. Anyway, shut up. So, I know how he gets away. Okay, so he gets there. He, he gets a roofie. He's knocked out. Okay, we jump back to the dad. The dad's—he just passed out from the pain or something. He woke up. He's hanging there, and he's like taking the hook and he's trying to swing himself and he's—he's he's trying to get closer. And at first, you're trying to figure out what the fuck is he doing, but he's trying to get enough leverage because there's probably about four feet from him and another body, a dead body, and he's trying to get leverage and he's trying to get his feet around the body and then once he gets the feet around the body he pulls himself close to the body and then he pulls himself up and you hear the you know the the metal ripping from the flesh yeah. but he's able to pull himself off and he, he drops down and he's like you know and then you're like at first you're thinking oh okay he's gonna get away he's gonna get free he's gonna go save his wife 
and then you you shoot to the 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 father. No, I've been using the father too much. Use the brother. Back to the whole mom thing again. You had to. We had to have her die a little more slowly. Well, yeah, she wouldn't be dead if if you extracted the fetus from. She wouldn't be dead. She'd be bleeding. She, it would take some time, but yeah. Yeah. Well, it depends on how far along she was. That's true. Anyway. So he's on the ground. He's like, you know, you, you're seeing him. He's trying to get himself back up, get him on his feet. You know, you, you play some really uplifting sign of uh, theme music in the back. You know, he's like, okay. Yeah, you know. They're not going to eat the baby, by the way. They're going to, they're, the, the daughter's going to try to keep the baby. Okay. Because they love children. Okay. Anyways, go ahead. And so he's getting up, and you're thinking, <laughs> okay, he's going to make his move. He finally, he straightens up, you know, and, and the shot behind him, like from somebody else's POV, and you see the blood just gushing from where the hook was. Turns around. He's like, <gasps> you know, he turns around, and then the camera shoots to another angle, and you see the brother with the baseball bat. And he's just standing right there. And... uh Something like, oh, fuck, what does he say? He says, uh, this dinner isn't to go, boy. And then, poof, hits him with the baseball bat. <laughs> because we know, okay, we know one of these fuckers is going to have to be cooked alive. It has to happen. It wouldn't be entertaining if one of these fuckers didn't get cut alive or cut alive, cooked alive. You know what I was thinking about? Since, since if we, if we did play off the whole fact that the sister tried to keep the baby because she's, she wants to have children or whatever. Uh huh. You know what they should, that she should do? No. What? The reason her baby, she has to keep that baby is because every time she tries to have babies with her brother and her dad, they always die because they're deformed. Ooh. Yeah, but and check they keep this out. them in the jars. No. I was going to say. Don't tell me no. Oh, excuse me. I'm trying to convey a thought. Well, convey your thought. Go You're not the boss. Anyway. Or the jar thing, okay. Um, or we could pull a house of wax move. Like what? Dunk the fetuses in wax and have her dress up babies. The deformed babies. And have them like in a collection in a room. And bring the, uh, and bring the wife in, or not the wife, but the mom in there. Well, the, like, now we're gonna you have- like my babies? I was They're gonna so say, cute, and now they? we're gonna have to bring in a daughter to make that, that would work too. A daughter for yeah, what? You know, because she he wants you know, which I think is a good idea, dipping the the fetuses and, and making them like a doll kind of you know, and mm-hmm. somehow the the daughter wakes up, she's waking you know wakes up in this like little girl's room and she's looking around and she sees all these dolls and they're just like kind of weird looking and as she's getting closer she's like realizing they're all deformed looking and shit, and then come later on in the film you realize that that's what happened is um. <sighs> Get it out! Get it out! Now I have to jump in here real fast and let you know that was not acting, kids. Even though I would love to say that was acting, yeah, Rebecca they... looked down and seen a spider on the table where the the gears. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was having a, heart palpitations. It was a jumping spider. <laughs> I had heart palpitations, bronchitis, <laughs> leukemia, in like all of ten seconds. I I couldn't hardly breathe. I had a drink half of a soda in a second. I was like, oh my god! Not funny. You guys are evil. (laughs) Okay, so let's get back to this. She's like a cat, man. She got scared and her hair went... (laughs) 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 Um, Okay, so the the sister 
is okay. Where does she come into play? Why do we have to have a sister now? Because we wanted to want her to wake up in a bed full of these dead fetuses that have been dipped in wax, that they're dressed up like dolls. You know how like a girl because the you know, you know girls have their dolls yeah. you know, over the bed. Well, we want the sister to wake up and see these deformed dolls. So, what happens? She wakes up. She sees the dolls. Well, first she wakes up and she sees that they're just kind of weird looking. And then she gets, uh, oh, oh, she gets up, right? And she she looks closer because there's probably no light in the house or some shit yeah. like that or candlelit. And she's looking through, looking at the dolls and, and the light. A little bit of the light's coming through one of the windows. And... As she's getting closer, she sees the doll. It's all hideous and deformed. And she's like, you know, does the scream you just did? And she goes, boom! She hits the dolls, right? And, no, she hits one doll, the one the closest to her. She hits it and knocks it on the floor. And when it, boom, it hits it on the floor, the, the the wax cracks and you see this deformed fetus, actual fetus inside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, this is gold, kids. This is gold. But with that thought, we are at the end of our show. But I know you have some things you have to do next week, so I know you you won't be able to be next episode. Aaron and I are going to finish out the Canadian deliverance idea. So come back next week, and we're going to finish this out. We're going to make it really good and gory and bloody. So for this week, I am David K. Montoya. I'm Rebecca C. Lofgren. And I'm Mayor Newt. And we started off with legalized dog sex and marriage and ended up with Canadian deliverance. And if you have any sense of what just happened, then you might be seeing red. See you next week. And thank you again uh, for joining us this week on Flashback Fridays. I am your host, Mike Lutz. And as always, thank you for stopping by, and we will talk with you next week. <laughs>